Well, this book of Daniel gives the framework of most other prophecies. It answers questions like, who will rule the world and how will it all end? Without Daniel, we'd have no clear understanding of that Olivet Discourse. By the way, that I'm, I'm just very anxious to think that might be our next series after Daniel's. The Olivet Discourse and quoting Jesus, quoting directly from the book. It's the only passage he quotes in the Olivet Discourse telling about the abomination of desolation. Without Daniel, Isaiah's times of the Gentiles would have no framework. Without Daniel, Paul's man of sin would not be revealed. Without Daniel, much of the book of Revelation would remain an unsolved mystery of speculation. The book of Daniel deals with politics and policies of world leaders that have shaped history and will govern the future of our world. Daniel clearly shows the collision course of the times of the Gentiles, that's us, with the time of the end of the nation of Israel, known as the Great Tribulation, which ushers in, of course, the millennial kingdom of Christ. The book of Daniel assures us that while man proposes, God disposes. G. Campbell Morgan gave this theme for the book of Daniel, the persistent government of God in the government of the world. J. Vern McGee said, Daniel reveals the universal sovereignty of God. God is overruling the idolatry, blasphemy, self-will, and intolerance of the Gentiles. Sir Isaac Newton, you didn't know, he wrote more theologically than he did Scientific. But anyway, Sir Isaac Newton remarked that Christianity itself might be said to be founded on the prophecies of Daniel. For the prophecies of Daniel in particular established the advent, that is first coming, life, work, and even the death of the Messiah, which find their exact fulfillment undeniably in the book of Daniel and Jesus of Nazareth. Schofield said Daniel is the only voice of Old Testament prophecy that sets the time of Christ's first advent and even of his crucifixion. For that, I would just show you, and we'll come back to it in a few weeks, but in chapter 9, down in verse 26, uh, um, let me read it out of the uh, New Living Translation, chapter 9, verse 26. And after this period of 62 weeks, you know, we talk about those 70 weeks, right? And we get all... That, that very curious conversation. But these sets of seven, all right, we'll come back to it. But the anointed one, the Messiah, will be killed. So the, the death of the Messiah is prophesied. So when they find it to be true, and they say, well, it couldn't be true, but Daniel already said it would be, appearing to have accomplished nothing. So Christ, the Messiah, would come. He would put, be put to death in an early fashion, Seemingly to have accomplished nothing on earth. That's the way the world views it. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And the end will come like a flood. And war and its miseries are decreed from that time, even as we experience it now, to the very end. So as you might imagine, while the, the Jewish scripture cannot deny the existence of Daniel... They have taken the writings of Daniel and they have buried it into something called the, ha the hag hagiographer. 
And they, they buried it because it's undeniable that Jesus has fulfilled every prophecy of the Messiah. The theme of Daniel can be seen back in chapter 2, verse 44. And, it, and it's, it becomes familiar over as we read it, these phrases over and over. But chapter 2, verse 44 in particular, as a theme. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. So all the kingdoms, you know, we, the, ta- the, uh, the image that we'll talk about and all the different metals that are there, all these kingdoms will be consumed, but his kingdom will stand forever. Well, throughout Daniel, there are repeated phrases like the God of heaven, the great God, the God of gods, the King of kings, the King of heaven. This repeated theme of Daniel clearly declares that there is a God in heaven, and he will have the final say in all things related to mankind, our, our, our world, its history, how it will all come to an end and be remade. The days of Daniel come upon Judah six years after Jehoiakim ignored Jeremiah's uh, warning. You may recall this from Jeremiah when he writes about Jehoiakim. Uh, say, well, I don't believe that. So what does he do? He cuts it up with his knife and he throws it into the fire. Do you remember that, that story in Jeremiah? And he throws it into the fire. And that's the way. How many people today think that if we can just do away with the law or do away with you know, all these restrictions, then we can just say, well, it's not wrong. It's no longer wrong. And that was, that was Jehoiakim who ignored Jeremiah's writing. But we read in chapter 1, just there in verse 2, that first phrase, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Who's he talking about? Nebuchadnezzar. Jehoiakim said, it'll never happen. I would never allow it to happen. Our God will never let it happen. But it was prophesied to come, even though he denied it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Later, Daniel reminds Nebuchadnezzar's Nebuchadnezzar's grandson how he came to enjoy this kingdom over in chapter 5 when he starts to get a big head. So he over in chapter 5 and verse 18, so now this Nebuchadnezzar who received the kingdom from Jehoiakim as God had prophesied, now this grandson of Nebuchadnezzar gets a big head about it. And in chapter 5 and verse 18, he thinks it'll never end. O thou king, the most high, God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And he goes on to say, and it can be taken just as easily from you. In the days of Daniel, the phrase, the Lord gave, there in verse 18 and other places, the Lord gave, the Lord gave. It reveals two things. First of all, Jehovah establishes and controls all authority, and it is not subject to man or any god. Second, Jehovah is final authority, and by Him alone all victory is claimed. And for these days of judgment past and future, we meet Daniel whose name means God is my judge. 
We know that Daniel was a man greatly beloved of God. We'll meet him in chapter 10. We know that Daniel was a man of great wisdom. By the way, his, the wisdom of Daniel is referenced by his neighbor, a contemporary of his, Ezekiel. Now you would think if Ezekiel is going to talk about the wisdom of a man, he would talk about the wisdom of who? Solomon. You guessed it, right? Solomon. Why wouldn't he say Solomon? But no, he references the wisdom of Daniel even higher than that of Solomon. And we know that Daniel was taken as a youth. You remember the story? He rises to third highest in Babylon. He exists in that place through three kings. Daniel did not fear the ruthless rule of Nebuchadnezzar before whom all other nations of the world at that time were in fear. Daniel even remained humble later under that grandson of Belshazzar who lifted himself up against the Lord God of heaven. Daniel was there through the drama of the Medes and the Persians, Darius and Cyrus. We'll come to all these things. Daniel stood out in those days for three reasons, which I think would do us all well to remember, and that's where the, that was all introduction, and that's where the message, and it won't be that terribly long. The days leading up to the Lord's return, first of all, we'll see that Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, we'll come to it next week in greater detail. But Daniel was a man of purpose. You remember this story. You remember even perhaps this phrase. And we sing children's songs about it. Maybe we'll sing that next week. But in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, but Daniel, so you know what's going on and what he's being told, but Daniel purposed in his heart. You remember this conversation from Scripture? Some of you are looking at me like, I've never read that before in my life. Chapter 1, verse 8, there it is. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Remember, it's, they'd been brought in as, as these good-looking guys, and we're going to train them in the things of our history, and we're going we're to bring them under our rule, and we're going to give them all the finest of the king's stuff. And he says, but I don't want that. All that, all that meat and wine and everything that went on the menu there, nor with the king's wine that he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So you just use that in parallel with the defilements of the world. To purpose is to establish or to determine, or your scripture may say resolve. And notice where this resolve is. It's in his heart. It's not just down on paper. It's not in some creed that he repeated at every you know, first Sunday of the month. It's not just something written down. It's something that he has taken to heart. And you know the difference. You know the difference when somebody says something and when they really mean it. Daniel really means it. To purpose is to establish God upon the throne of your heart. When God is on the throne, many other things are settled. Things that we'll find Daniel no longer needed to pray about. Daniel did not need to debate about it. He simply trusted that God's way was best, and therefore it was a settled matter. Following God and obeying God's Word is not a limiting thing, a restrictive thing, as many young people consider it to be. But it is when you establish God as the, the rule in your heart, it settles so many other things that you no longer need to ask yourself about. It's settled. No, that's not the way I'll live. 
As the philosopher one day said, you must learn from the mistakes of others. You will not live long enough to make them all yourself, right? You know that. Learn from the mistakes. There are more mistakes recorded in Scripture about human behavior than any successes. Learn from their mistakes. Know that certain things are settled. God spoke against it. It's wrong. I shouldn't go there. I should stay away from it. Purpose in your heart to conform your life to this book rather than trying to conform what this book says to your life. But conform your life to this book and it will save you a lot, a lot, a lot of grief. Without a resolve to follow and obey God's word, you'll be tempted to think that I know what you're saying, preacher, but in my circumstance, you know, it's, it's going to be different. Like, it's going to be different for you than it's been for 6,000 years of history. It's going to be different for you, even though God spoke about it a long time ago. Without a resolve, you'll suffer in many ways that just are not necessary. And as we study the book of Daniel, many things about life and future will become settled in our mind because time and time again... It will be established. There is a God in heaven who sits upon the throne and rules over the affairs of man. Yes, you may propose many things. You're going to have a lot of great ideas. But if of God's own word it is cursed of God, it will be cursed. Second, Daniel says, man, that, or, that we learn about Daniel, he was a man of prayer. As an illustration of that, I'm going to take you over to chapter 6 and verse 10. Again, these are all things we'll come back to in greater detail. But he was a man of great purpose. He was a man of great prayer. Chapter 6 and verse 10. And we'll see it illustrated in many circumstances. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, now this, this was his death, this was his issue of death, okay? The decree has been signed. He's going to be put to death. He went directly to the king and complained. Is that what it says? He went into his house and he opened up his windows in the chamber toward Jerusalem, as he had always done before, kneeled on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he's done aforetime. He's done it all before. When the hasty decree was made to slay all these wise men that would not bow, which included Daniel and his three friends, through no fault of their own, is something, this is the way they've always lived, they continue to be this way. Look at what they, they did back in chapter 2, verse 17. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 17. Then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah and his companions. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know them that way. That they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. When the familiar 70th week of judgment was revealed, look at what Daniel does over in chapter 9 and verse 3. Same thing. Chapter 9, verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and I 
prayed. When Daniel searched the end of judgment, we find both he and his friends fasting and praying. Looks like it's for three whole weeks. Chapter 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning, and in context, praying, fasting for three full weeks. And you're worried about what you're going to have for lunch. (laughs) And the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Never think too lightly of prayer, neither of its work or warfare. Prayer does the work of God. But prayer also enters us into, it takes us into the war zone. Prayer does not exempt you from action as if someone else is going to take care of it and God's going to wave a magic wand and it's all going to go away. But it assures you of the right action to be taken. For example, back in chapter 6 and verse 10 where I said Daniel's a man of prayer, what was the result of Daniel's praying? Do you remember where he ended up? When the decree was signed, he went to pray and Daniel ends up in the lion's den. What? Now on this side of it all, you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, that worked out pretty great. You know, that'd be what a cool night that was, et cetera, et cetera. But remember, if you're on Daniel's side of the circumstance and you prayed and you got dropped into a lion's den and you don't know what's going to be the outcome, right? To be absent from this body, present with the Lord, right? Lord will deliver me, whether it's by death or life. I don't know what's going to happen. Daniel didn't know when he knelt to pray. You cannot be a person of prayer and expect to remain quietly on the sidelines of circumstance. It may prepare you for the lion's den. You cannot pray for this church without a willingness to be involved. You cannot pray for your minister or the ministries of this church without your support. You cannot pray for missions without first saying in some way, here am I, Lord, use me. Your prayer first and foremost must be a consideration of how God might use you to meet the needs of something for which you are praying right now. How God might Maybe never change the circumstance, right? But change you in the process to help someone else in that circumstance. How God might bless you to bless someone else. How God might even allow you to suffer so that you can help someone else in the suffering of their life. To enter into a conversation. How many times have I said it? It's so true. You're going to have some friend that's suffering in some way, and you're going to say, Pastor, can you pray for them? And at some point, someone's going to ask me to go and visit, if we ever get back to that model of being able to visit with people. And you say, could you go visit? And I'll go visit. This is someone new to me. Someone I, I've never entered into their suffering. I don't know much about them, but maybe you have. Maybe it's something, and that's why you're asking. That's why you're so concerned, because you've been through this. And you understand this, and you've been alongside this person. Don't downplay your effort in prayer to prepare your heart, whether speaking at a funeral or at the bedside of some dear loved one of yours, to prepare your heart to say just the right thing in that moment. And just be there in the circumstance. Prepare your heart in prayer.
Paul said that all of his sufferings have fallen out rather to a furtherance of the gospel. So someone else knew about the Lord because of the life Paul suffered. Prayer recognizes that the battle belongs to the Lord God of heaven who sits upon the throne. Third thing, Daniel was a man of prophecy. And I don't have, I've got a couple of things, but no particular. You just read through the book of Daniel. Prophecy is both the foretelling, right, before it happens, as well as it is the foretelling. This is what it means, right? And we see both of those things in the book of Daniel. The first half of the book of Daniel, for those of you who don't know, but others of you will be instantly reminded. That's right, I remember that is the foretelling of historical events. It's written in, uh, in a language, the Gentile nations, their familiar Chaldaic tongue. They would, they would understand the first half of the book. And then the curtains are pulled back, and we see a lot of fantastic prophecies that are just amazing. And the second half of the book is prophetical, and it's, it's foretelling. It's written in reference to the Jewish nations, which intersected with the times of the Gentiles, and so it's written in the Hebrew tongue. The prophecies of Daniel give us the skeleton upon which we can hang all other prophecies. Nebuchadnezzar's multi-metallic image, we'll see in a couple of weeks, that outline there, and it's used throughout the balance of Scripture. In chapter 7, Daniel's four beasts, And then we see it again in Revelation, and now it makes sense. Gabriel's 70th week, and we begin to realize the 77s, you know, these these periods of time, and we get more of an understanding in chapter 9. But some people are going to ask, why study prophecy, right? And it it just gets me confused, and I feel like I get off track at times. But let me take you to the final verse of the book of Daniel, and I think it gives you a proper perspective on everything that's just been written. Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. Daniel 12 and 13. So he's just written all these prophecies, right? He's just, he's blown your mind with all this stuff that's going to happen, and you think, how in the world is all this going to fall out? I have no idea. But now, go your way, Till the end be, or comes. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. Let me read it to you out of some other sort of paraphrase. Go your way until the end. Right? So don't quit living. Go your way until the end. Don't give up now. Don't suggest that, well, it's all going to happen the way God wants it to happen, so I'm just not going to worry about it and just go, you know. No. Keep living. Keep telling people about Jesus for now. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance that's been set aside for you. Now, isn't that the believer's hope, right? Live your life in the midst of Everything that's going on, don't, don't stop. Don't come to the conclusion, well, it's all going to end you know, as God wants it in, so I'm just going to put on a white robe and go you know, retire up on the mountains in West Virginia somewhere. <laughs> There's still lots of land there you can have, pretty cheap. 
and say, I'm just going to live out my days. No, keep living. Keep living your life in the circumstance that you are right now, telling your kids and telling your neighbors and living your life for the cause of Christ. There'll come a day that you can rest. And your inheritance has been reserved for you in heaven, right? Where neither moth or rust does corrupt, where thieves will never break through and steal. And it's reserved for you who believe. Three things we learn in application from the closing, this closing verse, and I'll do them quickly, from this closing verse of Daniel. For now, return to your responsibilities. So go your way. Don't dwell too long. Don't guess too much about prophecy. Be busy about your master's work. And remember, Daniel was 90 at this time, so don't stop now. And then also, there will be time enough. There'll come time enough for rest. You will rest. For Daniel, this is foretold of his certain death uh, before these events would transpire. But we may be the generation, as I've often said, and hope it to be true, that will never see death. But either way, we have a hope that is eternal. And then faithfulness is rewarded. Stand in your lot to this life, this world. It's not our inheritance, the millennial kingdom of God that will come, the hope of heaven, eternal life. All saints who are faithful in little things here will be given great reward there. The purpose of prophecy is not to settle saints into an apathetic resolve here on earth but to motivate them, motivate us, me, to this urgent service of our King. And in closing, let me read to you, and you can turn to it if you like, but in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, you'll know these verses, especially verse 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, be, we should be called the sons of God. So all these circumstances, all these things, therefore the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I read this verse to my friend on his dying bed just this last week. He's still with us, but he's soon to be with the Lord. And every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. The study of prophecy is a study of the believer's hope. And the study of this hope is a purifying effect for every believer. And I often use this illustration. We try to understand prophecy a little like trying to scoop water out of the river with a bushel basket. Now capture that image in your mind for a moment. And you raise it up, and how much of the water have you retained? Right? And when you read through the book of Daniel, it's going to be the same. It's going to be a river of information, and you're trying to scoop up all that you can, (laughs) and you just can't seem to retain it. But may I suggest to you, look at the basket. And it's not as dirty as it once was. This is the believer's hope that has a purifying effect. You won't retain much of it. You'll be reminded of some of it, but you won't be the same because of it. 
purifying hope of the believer. Book of Daniel.